Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast bringing you insights and expertise in facilities management, brought to you by Vixo, changing the way the world sees facilities management. Hello, everyone. This is Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and you are listening to another episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this part two of a two-part conversation. So you're getting your second half, final part of the convo, where we've been chatting with Sumit Carr and Eric Warner on the art and science of the convenience store. Again, Sumit Carr is the senior director of operations and Eric Warner is the director of construction for Vixo. We've been chatting about why the convenience store needs to continue to adopt some of the broader changes in brick and mortar that have re-emphasized engagement, experience, and making brick and mortar unique comparatively to online shopping and e-commerce. Today, we're continuing that conversation. So let's go ahead and jump into part two with Sumit and Eric. The idea of merchandising design and store layout, basically the the basic and structural aesthetics of the convenience store, these also are uh, important variables that need to be addressed uh, as convenience stores continue to evolve. So how are you seeing your clients approach these uh, aesthetic and layout challenges? And uh, what are some of the uh, most critical needs that need to be met with the visual engagement and the uh, literal aesthetic layout of the stores. I think one of the biggest things you've seen is is just the elegance of what's inside a convenience store. In the old days, it was some paint on a wall and some FRP up to help protect the wall. And today you see ceramic tile on the floors. Instead of VCT, you see ceramic or porcelain tile on the walls, backsplashes. You see cooler walls that are tiled as well, along with elegant graphics and things that can excite the customer when they walk in to see, hey, there's a beer cave over there. This is where you go to get soda. This is where you go to get a fountain drink. Here's where a Slurpee is. Here's where the coffee is. Now, when you walk into a convenience store, you're not left to your own devices. You walk in, you look up, and you can see exactly where you need to go. I think that's something that's big on the physical plant side. Yeah. And, and you know, I think the entire convenience industry is, is transitioning from really the art of it to the science of it. And so now the, the physical layout is very scientifically planned, right? It, it is designed to stimulate buying, stimulate impulse buying, to increase sales on products that honestly have higher margins. So, so putting those in areas that are easily accessible, uh, that, that's critical, right? And, and the science has really taken over the art. And the, the cosmetic appeal is so important today because that's what people look for. That's what they're, they're, they're really seeking is, you know, how does, how does this experience, overall experience feel like to me? Am I comfortable? Do I feel safe? Is it clean? Is, it, is everything operational? That's really important. And so subconsciously, the C-stores, through the science of it, are creating those atmospheres, that ambiance that makes shopping a more enjoyable experience rather than just kind of what it was, you know, 10 years ago, which was just kind of grab and go, right? Just run in, grab grab a drink and, and get out. We want you to spend more time in, in the store. We want you to, to look around a little bit and see some of the additional products that we have. So it's, it's becoming a more scientific process. 
And I think you see that through analytics on SKU rationalization, um, you know, your top 1,000 SKUs inside of a store. You see that through adjacencies of products, products that are most often bought together, making sure that they're close by, within arm's reach or a couple of steps, or maybe it's just even on the way to the cash register. Heat maps. Those are some of the things that help the convenience store owner understand what is the customer looking for? Where are they going to go first? And then what can we put in front of them that they're going to want to pick up if they've already picked up that other thing? All right. Last main point before we do a little COVID talk here to close out the conversation. Uh, But for the operations side of a convenience store, asset tracking can also be a nightmare and something that uh, can be a major inhibitor for strategic decision making for uh, adapting a convenience store to this next era of engagement and of uh, customer flexibility. So uh, what would you say is the average state of asset management for convenience store chains today? And how does this impact their ability to run smoothly and efficiently? And what are some ways Vixo is trying to address those concerns as well? The current state of asset management in the convenience industry is, is average at best. Asset data and information is really at the heart and the core of facilities. And we see it becoming increasingly more important in this, in this ever competitive marketplace. You know, there's a famous saying, you can't manage what you can't measure. And, you know, taking that a step further, you really can't measure what you can't track, right? Most convenience stores today have almost no information on the assets in the store the age of the equipment, the count, the repair history, the, the, the dollars invested in equipment maintenance of the various assets that are in the store. Our goal is to really provide that information to our customers through asset management, through QR coding, so they can make better proactive decisions to run their business. For example, if a customer knows that a piece of equipment has had X number of dollars invested in repairs over the past 10 years, you know, that it is past its useful life, has no book value. And, and so investing in any further repairs into it is, is, in essence, kind of a sunk cost. That's invaluable to them. That's the information that they need to better run the business. And when we look at the industry today, most convenience stores simply don't have that information. And if you don't have that information, it becomes very difficult to proactively manage your business. You're always reacting to something breaking down. You don't have any analytics, any data to tell you anything past the last repair. Yeah, I think that asset tracking is obviously paramount, especially when you get to large assets like HVAC and some of the other big units that are running inside of the store. Uh, Understanding which unit has an issue, understanding which component inside that issue is failing, the age of that component, and then really trying to take a look at what the data is telling you. How much have we spent? How much has left on the books for this piece of equipment? And then helping the customer with their capital programs, you know, a year in advance saying, hey, this is what you have. This is 20 years old here. Here's what we spent on it in the last three years. You know, it's time for us to start talking about putting a capital plan together so that this we don't continue to drain the expense buckets out of these stores. And I think that's what asset tagging can do if it's done well. All right. Last main thing that we're going to be chatting about here before we close up this episode of the podcast is 
we got to talk COVID. Obviously, all brick and mortar stores have been grappling with how to safely manage their stores during COVID and then post COVID, uh, depending on where you are. Uh, here in Texas, cases are continuing to spike. So whereas some convenience stores may have thought, all right, we've made it over the COVID wave, uh, there is a second one on the way. And so, you know, there are several variables, uh, both future focused and immediate that need to be taken into account. Have the basics like social distancing, partitions, floor stickers, have those things been working for convenience stores as of late? Why or why not? What are y'all's thoughts? Yes, it, it's working. And, and honestly, it's working very well in the convenience industry, Daniel. COVID is the reality of the day, right? And, and all convenience stores have been very aggressive in instituting safety protocols. Now, that includes things like mandating the use of masks, you know, six foot apart stickers and the actual enforcement of it, right? Not just a cosmetic thing, along with partitions and plexiglass installs. The, the convenience business has responded proactively and effectively and has done a, a tremendous job uh, in a very adverse situation to support the customer base. So I think, yes, it's working very well in the convenience industry. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think in the past, since about first part of May, we've installed somewhere around 20,000 protective barriers in front of clients and associates that are working at the stores. And I think that uh, when you're standing at a convenience store and you know that you're protected from the person behind the screen and the person is protected from you, you have the ability to do contactless payments at the stores. There are stickers directing you exactly where to go. Going one step further, if there is an incident at the store, if somebody at the store does test positive, ensuring that there's a plan to go in and disinfect the store and having those thing plans ready to go, I think those are important pieces that the convenience store industry has really jumped in front of to make sure that they're proactive instead of reactive on this particular piece. Are there any changes to the in-store layout that you see being permanent changes because of COVID that will continue to support these strategic safety decisions, but also potentially uh, some other intersecting shifts that we've been talking about on the podcast today? I think we've seen a couple with regards to how the pay stations are laid out and how close those are to each other. And I think you'll continue to see those evolve as we learn more about what needs to happen and as the convenience store industry transitions with new stores and understanding what the clients want and what's safest for everybody, you'll start seeing those pieces spread out as well. I think you'll see gondola aisles a little wider. Uh, again, you'll see transaction areas a little, a little wider and you're going to start to see that space opening up a little bit to make sure that people are safe while they're inside the store. So, totally agree, Eric. Uh, we don't see safety features going away anytime soon, right? Examples, touchless flushing, automatic front doors, automatic hand dryers, more spaces between the aisles. You know, anything designed to minimize contact, we feel will become more part of the business culture. So, you know, moving forward, we think it, it is already part of the culture and we think to a certain extent, it will increase even further. During COVID, some major uh, services have become staples, like curbside delivery. This is not just something that 
convenience stores have implemented, but it's something many brick and mortar stores, restaurants, retailers have all tried. And uh, for many, it has been a success. So do you imagine that curbside delivery is going to stay in place as a service for convenience stores? Does it apply to convenience stores uh, in the same way that it applies to other brick and mortar establishments? Or is it something that you think is going to be phased out once COVID has gone? Why or why not? Daniel, that's a really good question. Uh, I've thought a lot about this particular piece and then how do we service the customer when it's requested. I think if convenience stores decide to continue that, you'll probably start seeing some different structures outside of the stores to help and keep employees out of the elements, possibly a canopy or some piece that's over over the dock area there in front of the entrance doors. Um, I think you'll start to see a shift towards uh, making sure everybody's more comfortable when that's happening as opposed to having somebody walk all the way out to a car and back where they can just drive up, get dropped off inside their trunk, and then they're on their way. I have not seen any plans yet for any of that. Sumit may have heard of something, but I haven't seen anything like that yet. You know, when you look at things like curbside delivery, which you bring up, Daniel, that's that's a great point. The market will tell us if that is purely a reaction to the pandemic or whether that is really what the market demands long term. Right. I think I think the data is still relatively raw and incomplete, but the data will tell us. And And if the data tells us that curbside delivery is is something that that is here to stay then i think the convenience industry will absolutely pick up on that now certainly there are stores that do that they would bring out the groceries to your car and that's begun it, it's certainly not widespread but if the data says that yes it is a long term driver of sales and that is going to be part of of the retail environment then certainly uh, the convenience industry would have to adapt to that and i think you'll see them pivot quickly once that once that threshold hits as well. There's also going to be a long-term effect of a decrease in foot traffic, most likely, uh, which is definitely the antithesis of how brick and mortar has been adapting in recent years. The strategy around getting people into the store has been contingent on the fact that, okay, well, even if people are shopping online now, we can still increase foot traffic by making our stores uh, more exciting, more engaging, and offering something special that they won't be able to get through the convenience of e-commerce. With COVID still raging and uh, the end date of COVID still looking rather far away, this decrease in foot traffic could be a a potential long-term consequence that convenience stores are going to have to deal with. So how do you see them adapting to that potential decrease in foot traffic over the next several months, maybe even a year or two? And what are some of the optimistic outlooks that you might have, even though that situation can be rather bleak? Great point, Daniel. And I think that is something that is uh, that is certainly on everyone's mind. And, you know, if the foot traffic declines, there's, there's really only one way to compensate for it, right? And that's to sell more to the customers who are actually walking in. So you have to give the people what they want and the way that they want it. One of the things that we've seen an in, in increase in is delivery, right? So in select markets for 7-Eleven, for example, they, you know, you go on the app, you order whatever it is you want, and then within an hour, it's delivered to your house. Even if there's no one really walking in, the loyalty program uh, enables that distribution of merchandise to, to a person's home. So the convenience industry is doing a remarkable job in mirroring to the customer's needs 
albeit in a very, very challenging marketplace. Yeah, I think those are solid points, Summit. All right, that just about wraps up everything I wanted to touch on in this Vixo podcast. So I'm going to leave the floor open for final thoughts here from both Sumit and Eric. Based on everything we've talked about, what do you all see as potentially the uh, most exciting opportunities for convenience stores moving forward, as well as potentially uh, biggest challenge as they continue to navigate COVID and some of the other broader shifts to the convenience store industry? Well, well, the biggest opportunity really is to see how the convenience store industry evolves. We know kind of where it's headed, and I think Eric has laid that out very well. You know, brighter, fresher stores, bigger footprints. Th- those are all things that are happening today. You know, how does that evolve over the next 10 years? Right. I think you will see a lot more in, in loyalty programs, a lot more in drone deliveries, uh, a lot of things to boost the sales, even though you might have a, a declining number of people walking into the store. But I think those are all challenges that the convenience industry is really looking forward to trying to solution. And I think that's going to be very interesting to see how, how it goes. Now, in terms of challenges, I, I think the challenges are always, you know, it's, it's a very, very competitive industry. So, and everyone is trying to get the last dollar off the consumer. And, and how do you do it better than the person across the street? That really is the challenge. And I, and I think that the, the companies that are really able to solution that give the customer a really enjoyable shopping experience, make it a lot more enjoyable than a traditional C store was, let's call it 10 years ago. You know, those, those are the companies that are really going to thrive, but competition is really going to make the entire industry better and drive the entire industry to, to improve performance. Well said, Simit. I think one of the big things that you're going to see in convenience store over the next few years, and something that they've done a very good job of over the past 30 years, if you look at convenience as a retail vertical, is to be able to adapt. I think you'll see them be leaner. I think you'll see them be smarter with their choices inside the store. I think you'll see them be smarter with their capital choices. I think as as we continue to move forward, you're just going to see a tighter grip on the things that they can control and a tighter grip on what the consumer wants when they walk inside that store and being able to provide that to them. Sumit, Eric, it has been such a pleasure getting to chat with both of y'all today and unpacking your thoughts on the art and science of the future of convenience stores. Again, we've been chatting with Sumit Carr, Senior Director of Operations, and Eric Warner, Director of Construction with Vixo. All right, Sumit, Eric, thank you both for coming on. Have a great rest of your day. I'm looking forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, Daniel. It was my pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this Vixo podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And find our content on our website, as well as other engaging content like articles, videos, and more information about our solutions and services. And make sure you're also leaving a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.